the fourteenth chapter of, of Hilchas Malbo Valeva, the laws of a lender and borrower. Today's pedic contains fifteen halachas and deals with various cases of the collection of a debt by means of a document and disputes which can thereby arise. Pedic Arba, Asr, chapter fourteen, halacha Aleph. In this halacha, the Rambam will describe various cases that in spite of the fact that the lender has a document proving that the borrower owes him money. Nevertheless, due to some fault in the document, before he can collect his debt, he nevertheless must take an oath. Someone who causes an imperfection in his own document. In other words, the case of is that when he written in the document is, for example, that a thousand zoos is owed, and the borrower claims that he paid everything. The one that has the shtar says, no, that you only paid part of it. In this case, he has himself partially invalidated this document by saying that the amount that is written there, he himself says is not really owed because it says a thousand that really some has been paid back. That's a pregimesh Or there is one witness testifying that this document has already been paid, also affecting the weakness in the document. And so too one that comes to collect a debt when the lover, the borrower, is not present, as we discussed in the previous pedic, and someone that is grabbing land away from the buyer, that if the borrower sold land after he has already developed his debt towards the lender, any land which he might have sold is mishubad, subjugated to the repayment of this debt. Should the lender be unable to collect from the borrower, he collects from the lekeach, the one that bought the land from the borrower. And so to anifroin min hayeresh, and so to anyone who is getting repaid from a loan, from the heir of the estate, bein cotton bein godl, regardless of whether it is a child or a grown-up who has inherited the estate, as we discussed in Perak Yud Beis, in all of these cases, the only way he can collect is by taking an oath similar to an oath of the Torah. As we have learned many times previously, that there are three general types of oaths. There's a Shvua Diyaraisa, that ordained by Torah law, where one must hold a, a Torah scroll or something of similar holiness. A Shvua Teses, which is by rabbinic decree. And a Shvua Ka'en Shaltera, not really ordained by the Chumash, but nevertheless, the person must take it holding a Torah scroll. And all the cases of Nishboim V'Naitlin, if someone wants to take away money from someone else, based on his oath, that he should be believed with his oath, it is a Shvua Sha'en Ka'en Shaltera. Ba'emer or some versions have it, and the court tells him, when he makes his claim, first you must swear, and only afterwards will you be able to take your money, the money you claim you are owned, you are owed. And if this debt was for a certain period of time, and he claimed it in the correct time period, in other words, this is the day when the loan is due, and he now comes to court to collect. He can collect even without swearing. He is believed without an oath because beforehand we wouldn't expect the debt to be paid. Today is the day it's meant to be paid. We would expect it. Now is the time he's coming to collect and probably it has not been paid beforehand. However, if the time has already passed, he can only collect after taking an oath. This is like any other case of Pagam of, Shtare, of, so to speak, that since the time has already passed, it would be expected that the loan was already paid back. So therefore, it also is a sort of weakness in the document, and he can only collect upon making an oath. Halacha base. In this halacha, we will see that even if there is no fault 
in the, in the document itself. Nevertheless, the borrower can force the lender to take an oath before he collects. However, in, in this case, it will only be upon request of the borrower that we apply this oath, and we do not apply it unless he requests it. One person brings another to court to have him repay a loan. And the borrower claims that he has already paid off the amount indicated in the document, or a part of it he has already paid off. And the one who is holding the document, the lender, says that you have not paid anything. If he admits that it has partially been paid, then it's pagim shtare, as we mentioned in the previous halacha. But should he completely deny the claim of the borrower and say that his document is still valid? In this case, emrim lay, the court says to the borrower, shalem lay, pay him back. And they do not say anything about an oath. Torn haleva, but let's say the borrower makes a counterclaim. Va'omar, and he says, yishavali shalei paraiti v'yitel. The first swear to me that I did not pay you, and only then should you take the money. It should he make such a request, We make him swear, holding a sacred object, in other words, that he has not been paid anything, or that he has only been paid a slight amount. And only afterwards can he collect his debt. And if the lender was a Torah scholar, the court will not listen to this request of the borrower and force the Torah scholar to take an oath. That this is, uh, makes it appear that you are shaming or suspecting the Torah scholar, therefore it's improper to ask him to take such an oath. The law nevertheless will be that he will be unable to collect. Unless he takes an oath, we cannot have him collect. Therefore he will himself, the Torah scholar who lent the money, will have the choice. Either he can let it go without taking the oath, or he can make an oath he can suggest himself to take the oath and thereby collect. However, the court cannot suggest that he take it since it will look as if he is under suspicion. Halacha Gimel. Up till now we have been dealing with cases where the borrower disputes the claim of the lender, but does not disclaim that he borrowed money. He says that I borrowed money, but I paid you back or something of the sort. There are a number of other claims which the borrower could make, all of them weaker, because in this case he does not admit to the shtar, to the document, which is clear evidence against him. He does not refute this because he says the document is valid. There could be other claims that he completely refutes the document. As far as he's concerned, it's a stronger claim. But as far as the court is concerned, it's a weaker claim because there's a valid, valid document staring him in the face. How can he deny it? The Rambam will discuss whether in these cases one has to take an oath in order to collect one's debt. Let's say the lender produced a document which has been officially validated by the court that the signatures are proper and so on. And the borrower claims and says that this document is forged. And I never wrote such a document. In other words, he claims he tried to uproot the entire document. Or he claims that this debt, true, I did borrow the money, but it was wrong to begin with because it was with interest or with avak ribis, literally the dust of interest, meaning rabbinically prohibited interest. Or he claims it's a shtar from the word emuna, meaning that the document was written out and he gave it to him, trusting the lender that later on, should he need to borrow money, they will not need to wait for this writing of this document. Therefore, he trusted him. And now he claims that he violated the trust and is producing as if I really borrowed money. But I never borrowed money, it's a shtar or he writes that I wrote it 
in order to borrow, but I never got to borrow it. For example, that it fell from my, from my pocket before I ever was able to borrow the money. And evidently, this lender found the document and is now claiming the money, even though I never borrowed it. Klolo shall delve the general principle. If the borrower claims any such claim, that should the lender admit to it, it would nullify the complete document. And however, but the lender is still holding on to his document, and he claims that the, that the borrower's complaint is a false one. And the borrower claims, take from me an oath, first swear to me, and then you can take the money. As we mentioned in Halacha base, that even in the case of Paraiti, where he claims it was paid and the lender says it was not paid, we do not administer an oath because there's no pegam shtar over here. Unless the lender asks, then we administer an oath. In any of these cases, since they are weaker claims, because they're saying that the whole document, which is a shtar mekuyim, it's already been validated. He's trying to invalidate the entire document. Shall we make the lender take an oath before he can collect his money in such a case? This is a disagreement that Ammam says in the generation of the Ga'inim. There's someone that rules that the lender is, re- is required to take an oath similar to an oath of the Torah, holding a, a scroll or something of the sort. Just like the case we mentioned in Allah Chabbais, that the claim of the borrower is that the loan was already repaid. However, but my teachers, apparently referring to the Rit and the Rimigash, they, they rule differently. That the only time we make the lender take an oath is if the borrower claims that he has repaid the loan. He admits to this document, and it makes sense that he would have paid it off. It's not something unusual that a debt should be repaid. That was what was meant in the first place. That there should be a debt, there should be a document, and the document should be repaid. Therefore, we'll believe him enough in order to make the lender take an oath before he collects. We don't believe him so much to leave him out of the loan. Because if he really repaid it, what is the lender doing holding the document? He should have requested it in return. Since he didn't, he must take an oath. I will call Elohatinus, but any of these claims that the borrower is making, where he tries to uproot the entire document, do not have the power to nullify a document which has already been validated. But rather he must pay all the money which has been claimed in this document. And should he have a claim later on, later on he can make a separate claim against the lender for any, anything he wishes. Should he claim he had been cheated with interest or something of the sort, that is a separate claim since we take this document which has been validated on face value. And then later on when he makes his claim, should the lender admit that the, what the claim of the, of the borrower says is correct, then he will return the money. Being kafat, should he deny the claim? Yeshva says he will have to make a rabbinic oath in order to deny the claim against him. But he does not have to take an oath, Cain Shaltaida, in order to collect the money in the first place. And so too, my opinion leans, says the Rambam, towards the opinion of his teachers, the Rif and the Rimigash, that he should not be required to take such an oath. Halacha Dalit. To properly understand this halacha, we must review the law of Amaydim and Mikzas and Amesha Veda. 
The law is that if one person partially admits and partially denies the claim against him, he is called a made to be mixes. He has partially agreed to the claim against him. And therefore the Torah places on him a shvua shel Torah. He must swear by Torah decree to de- about the part that he denies. Should, for example, Reuben say that Shimon owes him $100, and Shimon says he only owes 50 Shimon must pay the 50 and then take a shvua the Yaraisa to deny the other 50 However, in the case of Meshiva Veda, where someone is returning a lost object, should he return $50 to someone and said, here's $50 I found, and the one who lost it says, what are you doing? There was $100 here. So I lost $100. And then the finder says, I only found 50 It would seem that he is a maidah b'miktas and therefore must take a shvua shaltayda. However, our sages exempted him from taking such an oath because otherwise, because of Tikkun or Elam, because otherwise no one would ever return anything. If they returned and did someone a favor, they would end up taking a Shavu Shalteta, a Torah oath. The question is, what would be in the following case, which has certain similarities to a regular Medimimixis and certain ones to a Meshavaveda? Someone produces a document to collect from another. Malva Aimer the lender says, you didn't pay me anything. The Leva Aimer Paraiti Mechza. The borrower says, I paid you half. So in this case, so far, it seems like a regular case of made in the Therefore, the borrower would have to return the amount that he agrees to and would have to take a Shvua the Araisa to deny the other part. However, this becomes a bit more complex. Along come witnesses later on and say that he paid the entire amount. The borrower himself says he only paid half. But the witnesses say, no, you forgot. You really paid the whole thing. Now, if there had just been witnesses involved here, and if the borrower would have claimed that he paid the whole thing, there would be no questions asked. He would be completely exempt, and there would be no oath. However, over here, he already made himself mechuyev as a made to mix us. And now, the long-come witnesses only afterwards say he paid. In this case, nishpa haleva v'neisin mechza. The borrower must take an oath, and he gives back the half. Shahari Haidib Mikzas, but since he agreed partially to the claim against him, he must take an oath. However, Vaina Kamesha Baveda, in this case he is not considered like someone who is returning a lost object. Because the fear of this document is upon him. In other words, in a case of Meshiva Veda returning a lost object, the person could have just been silent and never ever produced this lost object and risk bringing himself to the oath. Therefore, there are sages exempted him from taking an oath. But in this case, he cannot deny everything against him. How could he deny this total document? The document says he owes a certain amount of money. He doesn't have the chutzpah, the gall, to completely lie in the face of this document. To deny part of it, this he has the gall to do, perhaps. But to deny it all, he does not have the choice. Therefore, he is not considered like a, like a, a Mesha Baveda. But on the other hand, there are certain restrictions on the lender as to how he can collect this other half. The lender can only collect the half which is owed him from B'nai Chayrin, belongings which are presently in the possession of the borrower. And he cannot grab the, the money from any lakuches, people that bought objects or land from the borrower. Why? The buyers can say, We relied on the witnesses. And they nullified this document. When we bought it, we, we saw already that he didn't owe you any money. We relied on the witnesses. Ah, he owes you money because he himself admitted and was a made to mimic us. That's not our business. You cannot collect from us because we relied on witnesses and everything we did was according to the halacha. Halacha, hey. Now the Rambam approaches the idea of a migoy, 
We have had Migwe discussed many times previously. A Migwe means that if somebody makes a claim, and it was a weaker claim than what he could have said, he could have said even a better claim, and he does not say so, we should believe him in his weaker claim. He says that believe me in this, because if you think I'm lying, I could have said even a better lie, and that you certainly would have believed me. The Rambam will now deal with how far we can go with such a principle. The lender produces a document that he was unable to validate. He was unable to validate the signatures of the witnesses on this document. The borrower says, The truth is that I did write this document. But it's already paid. Or, it's a shtar amana, as we discussed in Allah Gimel. I only wrote it to you, trusting you that you would never produce it as a claim against me, and you would just hold it until I borrowed the money. Or he claims that, true, I wrote it in order to borrow from you, but I never actually borrowed, and the document fell from my hand, and you found it. And any similar claim. In this case, the borrower has a migoy, because he could have claimed that the whole document was made up. He doesn't have to admit that he wrote this document, because the, the lender cannot validate it. So he has a migoy. Since he had the possibility to say that this whole transaction never occurred, and I never wrote anything. And now it was only validated because he says that he wrote it. Therefore we believe him with this migoy. And he only takes a rabbinic oath denying the claim against him to say that it was only it was a sharamana or paraiti or so on and then he is exempt from payment. However, if later on should later on the lender have validated it in court it's like any other document and he no longer has his migoy. We do not say that it's since at the time he had the migoy. He was exempt. He is, later, he is exempt even afterwards. We say not like that. That's the opinion of Rab in the Gemara. But we say like Rav Nachman that he is allowed to collect later on should he be able to substantiate and validate the document. Now let's say the Malva, the lender, has a migoy. Allah Chabav. The lender here produces a validated document. The signatures have been validated in court. But the borrower says, that this is forged. And I never wrote such a document. Or he says that it's something I trusted you with and never borrowed the money. Since the document has been validated, this claim of the borrower is ineffective. However, the Malve, the lender, says something to make it partially effective. The lender says, you know something, you're right, that this was never written by you, and this was a shtaramana. The truth is that I had a valid document against you that I wanted to collect with. But I lost it. So in this case, the Malve has a migwe. The Malva, the lender, could have kept quiet and he could have collected with this document. Since it has already been validated by the court, he didn't have to say anything. He could have collected with the document. Now he says that really the truth is that this is not a valid document, but I had another one which was lost. Do we believe him in this case? Even though it's the lender himself that broke the strength of the document. And if he wanted to, he could have said that it was never forged. Since it was already validated in court, nevertheless, he still cannot collect with it. Rather, the borrower takes a rabbinic oath and is exempt. 
Why? This document is considered like a piece of clay. In other words, it's absolutely worthless. Since the, that lender himself has admitted that this document has been forged, so what can, how can we use this document to collect? I has a mikoy, but he cannot use this document to collect with. Perhaps we should believe him with a migoy in order to collect without the document, just to make a claim as if it was an oral oral transaction and to collect a, an, a, a, a milva balpe, an oral loan, a verbal loan. It would be sufficient a migoy. So for this, the commentaries explain that a migoy lohitsi leamrinan, that we do not say that one can use a migoy in order to extract money. This claim of amigoy is not is good to keep from paying or something of the sort, but it is not good in order to extract money from another. Halacha Zayin. Shtar shalova A document which has been already used for a loan, and now it has been paid off, one cannot use it again for a loan. Uh, even though one might want to save the money on the scribe, and the trouble of gathering the witnesses and so on, and one wishes to borrow the same amount of money, still the document may not be used. Because its ability to collect has already been cancelled, and now it becomes like a piece of clay. It is absolutely worthless, and never, the, never again can become a valid document. It has already been used and already been cancelled. If a person produces a validated document against another, and the borrower answers, didn't I pay you back? The lender answers him, the truth is that you did pay me back. But I returned the document to you, and I also returned you the money. And I lent the money to you a second time. As we discussed in the previous halacha, the document which has already been paid is completely invalid. And the document is considered like a piece of clay. In other words, it is absolutely useless, and his claim is only that of a claim of having given a loan on verbal condition, rather than one with a document. However, if the lender says, that I returned you the money not as a second loan, but because the money was not of good quality, and that I wanted you to change the money for other coins. The coins in those days were a very, very variable quality, and perhaps these coins were not of good quality, and he wished better ones to be exchanged. In this case, here the document has not been invalidated, and it, it still has the capability of being used as a means of collection. Because if originally the lender would have realized that the money was of bad quality, he never would have accepted it in the first place. Since it's sometimes impossible to see at a glance that the money is not good, then he, this means that he never really willingly accepted the money, and the document has not been canceled. The lender produces a document which is validated, which states that the borrower owes him a hundred. The borrower says, I paid you back in front of the following two witnesses. And they, they come, these two witnesses testify that it was indeed paid. However, these witnesses did not mention that this loan was to repay this particular document. 
And the lender answers, okay, of course you have witnesses to, to witness that you paid me back a loan. But that was a different loan. It's true that you did pay me back. You paid back another debt which I, which I also have on you. You owe me money based on this document. And you also owe me money from a verbal commitment. And you borrowed it without a document. These witnesses did witness you, did testify that they saw you paying me back. But that was for the other loan. Therefore, they didn't mention this document. The document becomes nullified. That since we have witnesses saying that money was paid back and they testified, we, we do not give enough belief to the lender to believe in that it was for a different type of loan. However, when does this apply that the document is nullified? Only when they testify that it was, that it was given as payment for a loan. However, if they merely saw him giving money and they didn't know what for, they don't know whether he was paying back money or he was giving it to be entrusted for him to watch or he was giving it to him as a gift. In such a case, we have no idea why he was giving the money. In the first case, we know at least that it was being given for payment. Should we know it's for payment? We do not believe his claim that it was for another sort of payment. But over here, we don't know whether it's for payment at all. The witnesses have no idea why he was giving them the money. So in this case, If originally the lender who was holding this document claims that nothing ever happened, that there was never any sort of transaction and he never paid him anything, the law is that he has been proven to be a liar and the document is therefore invalid. Because why did he not mention that there was another time that he did pay him money and do not confuse the two loans? However, if he never denied that there was any repayment, he merely said that you paid me back but it was for another loan. In this case, he is believed. And he, the lender, can swear and take away the amount indicated in the document. Because this is called a case where the money was not paid back in the presence of witnesses. Since the witnesses don't know it was payment, this is called without the presence of witnesses. And since he could have made a claim that it was given to me as a gift, we believe him also with this migoy to claim that it was another sort of loan. In the first case, he has no migoy. He is just claiming it's another loan. For this, we don't believe him. Over here, he could have claimed disclaimed the entire thing and said it was a gift and therefore we believe him since it's like there are no witnesses present. Now the Raman gives a similar case that even though there are not witnesses to the repayment a statement of the lender himself can nullify his document. Omar let's say the borrower says this document that I owe you money is for the payment of an ox that I bought from you. That he bought an ox and instead of paying him the money right away it was converted into a loan that he owes him money for the ox that he bought, a mortgage. And this document is what the lender is holding. However, but you collected or, or, already the amount of meat. I was supposed to pay you with the meat and this is what I paid you for. I sold the meat and then gave you the money. Now, if he would deny this, which he is capable of doing since there are no witnesses, he would be believed. But in this case, he didn't deny it. The one who was holding the document says, You're right, that you did pay me with the money which was gained from the sale of meat. However, this money was This money was from another sort of loan. 
in the previous case where he had such a migoy, where he could have said it was a gift, and instead he said it was for another sort of debt, we believed him. However, over here, since he himself admitted, he admits first of all that the money which, is, uh, which was owed was money for an ox, and it was paid back from the sale of the meat, but in this case the document is invalidated. Even if there should be no witnesses, whatever, that the, the, the payment was from the sale of the ox. Nevertheless, Yishva Haleva Heses Shapare. Nevertheless, the the borrower is the one that takes the rabbinic oath that it was paid back, and then he is exempt. And even though earlier in the luckily said that when there are no witnesses, or even if there were, were were witnesses but they didn't know it was for payment, we believe the lender with a migoy that he could have said it was a gift or something of the sort. And over here, even though there are no witnesses, we are not believing the lender. The reason is over here, the lender himself has ruined his own claim. That since the borrower has claimed that it was for a specific purpose, that this was the case of a sale of an ox, and the sale of the ox was given over to a loan, and it was paid back, with, uh, with the money used from the sale of the meat. And he agrees to all that. And then says it's another, uh, another loan. This is something which is very unlikely. He has agreed to everything which the labor has said. And therefore it is likely that the claim of the borrower is true. And therefore since he has ruined his own claim. We don't believe him even though there are no witnesses to substantiate the claim of the borrower. borrower he himself has substantiated the claim of the borrower. The Ken Kolkayetzeb has asked so too any similar case. Halacha Yud. If I produced a document with only one signature on it, only one witness, and one witness is good enough to cause the other party to take an oath, min and the Rambam holds that this applies even to one witness on a document. And the borrower, the alleged borrower, says that I paid it back. And the Rambam explains that originally the borrower claimed that he didn't borrow at all. Once the document is produced with one witness, he claims, no, it's true I did borrow, but I paid it back. This person is required to take an oath, and he is unable to take the oath. And the law is that if one is by law required to take the oath, and for whatever reason he is unable to, he must pay. Why over here is Mechuyiv Shvua? He is Mechuyiv Shvua to deny the claim of the one witness against him who was signed on the document. But over here he is unable to swear to deny the testimony of this witness. Because the witness claims that he borrowed. And over here he cannot deny this claim because he says, He says, I paid it back. He cannot deny the witness. To deny the witness he would have to say, I didn't borrow. The witness says, you did. And he says, I didn't. But over here he is unable to make such an oath. Since he agrees with the witness that he borrowed, he just claims, which is something the witness never discussed. Since he is unable to deny the claim of one witness, he is required to pay. However, if the borrower demands that the owner take, a, take an oath, the lender take an oath that he never was paid. The lender is required to take an oath. Even if there were two witnesses and it was a valid document and the borrower claimed that the lender should take an oath that he never was paid, he still has to take an oath, as we explained previously in Allah base. And so too, my teachers ruled that a person that denied an oral, a verbal loan in court, and later on comes one witness to say that he borrowed, he is required to take an oath by Torah law to deny the testimony of this one witness. 
If he changes his mind and says, No, I didn't mean that I didn't borrow. I meant that I did borrow, but I paid it back. Or he says that you gave up on this loan. You said I didn't have to pay. Or you owe me money from some other place, and therefore I really don't owe you anything. This was the money you gave me was really repayment for something else that you owe me. He is required to take an oath to deny the testimony of the one witness. And he is unable to take an oath to deny it because he agrees with the witness. And therefore he is required to pay. Anyone that claimed, as we discussed in the previous halachas, that claimed that he repaid the money which was discussed in this document. And he makes this request. So we discussed in Allah base that the lender should first take an oath and then collect the money. Oimrim lay the Bezdin tells the borrower before we have him take an oath, Havim Ma'esav. First bring your money over here to the court. And then he will take the oath and then he will collect. But we will not have him take an oath according to your request unless, unless you bring the money here. Because if you don't have any money to pay, why should he take an oath for no purpose? And if he claims, the borrower claims he has nothing with which to pay back, we make him take an oath, as the Ga'inim established, and as we brought here in the Perek Beis Halacha Beis of Hilchas Malva that the Ga'inim established that he must swear that he has no money. And then, and then when he does get the money later on to repay, you will be required, he will be required to give it to the lender. And then, and then he will take an oath, the lender will take an oath that he it was never repaid. And then the borrower gives the lender the money. In other words, first we want to make sure that there is money there. If later on he gets the money, he'll bring that to the court. And then the court will administer the oath to the lender that he was never paid. And then the money will be given from the borrower to the lender. Halacha Yed Gimel. This deals with a case when the lender lost the document, or at least claims to that effect. One that has a debt by someone else and, and it was originally taken with a document. The lender lost the document. However, the witnesses are still in existence and he wants to write a, a brand new shtar and collect with these witnesses. Even though there was Kenyan Sudr, both parties involved, raised a certain garment as a sign of the of the agreement and with this agreement it is strong enough to write a document even though it was so strong but the borrower claims that he repaid the borrower is allowed to take a rabbinic oath to say that he already paid and he is exempt that since this, the document is lost this is something which substantiates his claim that he paid furthermore might teach his rules that even if the loan was for a specified time, and the time has not yet reached for it to be repaid, and the borrower agrees that this is not yet is still within the time period, and it's, furthermore, it's a chazaka that a person does not pay before the end of the time period. Nevertheless, since they wrote a document and he no longer has it, and the borrower claims he paid it, we believe the borrower and he merely 
he takes a rabbinic oath that he already paid. Because we suspect that perhaps it was paid and that's why it doesn't have it. It's more likely that he paid it for takes money than a document gets lost, a valuable document. And therefore, since he paid and therefore he either tore up or burned the document. And furthermore, my teachers also ruled even if another person has produced the document. In other words, it's not totally lost. Another person produces it. The borrower claims that he lost it after he already paid. And second of all, it's still within the time period. Even in this case, he is exempt by taking a rabbinic oath. Since the lender is no longer in possession of the document, there is no chazaka, there is no presumption that he is owned money, and therefore, with a rabbinic oath, the borrower is exempt. Let's say two of them are holding the document together. Each, both of them are holding it, and they're fighting over who has possession. The lender says that it belongs to me, and I was just bringing it now to collect with it from you, and it dropped from my hands and you grabbed it. The, the borrower says that I already paid it back, and it fell out of my hands. Who do we believe in such a case? First we look to see whether this document has a kiyum, whether it is substantiated, or whether it can possibly be validated or not. If it was a document that could be validated, each one of the two swears that he has at least one half of this document which belongs to him. Both of them make such an oath, and then the borrower has to pay back half. In other words, they split the value of the documents. We, so to speak, half believe the lender and half believe the borrower. However, if it should be impossible to validate this document, the, the borrower simply takes a rabbinic oath that he already paid it back, and then he is free from repayment. Because as we explained previously, in halacha hey, that even should the malva, the lender, be holding on to the document completely, and he produces a document which he cannot validate, even in such a case we would believe the borrower would, by taking a rabbinic oath. That since he would be able to make a migoy, he would be able to make the claim. He has a migoy, rather. He would be able to claim that it was never a loan to begin with, and that the document was forged. And he would be able to make such a claim, since he is, the lender is unable to validate the document. We will believe him with his claim of paraiti that I already paid it back. And so, too, in this case, it's even better. He is half holding the document. Certainly, in this case, we would believe him as well. And now, the final Allah of the Parak, Allah one person says to another that you owe me a hundred. The other answers that I don't have anything of yours. Or he says explicitly that I paid you. If he just says, it could mean that he never borrowed and it could mean that he paid. In any case, the lender, the purported lender says that you must take a rabbinic oath as is the normal case in Kefar Hakol, if one person denies fully a claim against him, he is requ required to take an oath by rabbinic decree, a shvuas hasis. However, in this case, Omar Lehanitva, the, the lender, 
excuse me, the borrower has a claim against the lender. He is worried and he doesn't want to take an oath. Why? You know that you are holding a document of mine. And this is a document even though I already paid. I already paid you from a previous loan and you're holding the document. You lender, you want to make me take an oath first. And my oath is going to be in vain. So I'm going to swear. And you're anyway going to produce this document, which is already paid off, and then you're going to collect with this document. He complains, I'm now going to swear, and you have a document that you'll be able to collect with, and even though it's paid, I know that I will not be believed to say that it was already paid back. And you're going to collect, and I'm going to swear for nothing. In this case, Omrim Lay, the Bezdin, says to the lender, Bring this document here now. Should you have a document, produce it before we will apply this oath to the, to the borrower. Let's say, Omar Amalva, Eili, Shtara, Love Me, Eilam. The lender claims that he never, ever had such a document. Where he claims that he did have a document once, but it's been lost. In such a case, my teachers have ruled, says the Rambam, that we tell the lender, that you have to officially nullify and negate any document that you might have before this time. And only only afterwards will we make him take his rabbinic oath. In other words, we believe the claim of the borrower that the lender is holding a document because if we, even if he doesn't have a document, we tell him merely nullify. If you don't have any documents, it doesn't hurt you to make such a statement that any document I might have is nullified. Should he w- wish not to make such a statement, because perhaps he, it is lost, and he is hoping to regain it and, re- and reclaim his money, then he has the choice. He can merely make a general statement, as we mentioned many times, the enactment of the Ga'inim, that one can declare a statement of Chedem, against someone in a general statement, not against a specific person, but a general statement that anyone who is holding his money is put in Chedim. And then he tells, and then we tell him, Now go out and look for your document until you find it. But we will not force the, the borrower to take an oath until you either nullify all of your, all, all of your uh, documents which you might be holding, if you do not wish to do that, you can make a cheder stam. We will not force him to take an oath, and you can go look for your document.